Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our topic today is how program evaluations can be made more relevant and useful for practitioners, drawing on lessons from a recent evaluation. Our guest is Evan Weissman of MDRC. Here's a clip. To me, a study that's beautifully conducted with lots of rigor that sits on a shelf isn't so useful. Even if a project finds no impacts, and it's deemed not worthy of implementing, at least you can rule out something. In the ideal world, what you can also do, though, is find what does work. In program evaluation, using the most rigorous methods possible is essential for producing credible research findings. But beyond the goal of rigor, relevance is important too. In particular, the more that evaluations are able to address specific research and implementation questions that are of interest to practitioners and policymakers, the more likely that the findings will actually get used. In evaluation by the nonprofit research firm MDRC of a student aid initiative, recently took three additional steps beyond typical program evaluation to ensure that the study produces information that will be relevant to end users. Those strategies will be of interest to other program evaluators, but also to funders, in other words, foundation officials, who want to support rigorous and relevant program evaluations. To learn more, we're joined by the evaluation's lead researcher, Evan Weissman. He's a senior associate at MDRC, and he joins us from Oakland, California. Evan, welcome. Thank you, Andy. So, Evan, a basic question, but a fundamental one. How do you think about relevance in program evaluation? How do you define it? It means that things are going to change as a result of the study. To me, a study that's beautifully conducted with lots of rigor that sits on a shelf isn't so useful. Even if a project finds no impacts and it's deemed not worthy of implementing, at least you can rule out something. In the ideal world, what you can also do, though, is find what does work, whether the entire intervention works or pieces of it work or it works for some students. I want to know what works, and I want to know that the things that work can be implemented in the real world. So as background to understanding the three strategies that the study used to promote relevance, I want to give a quick overview of what the intervention is. It's called Aid Like a Paycheck, and it's a demonstration related to financial aid to see whether dispersing that money, not in a lump sum, which is traditional, but rather if you split up the money into biweekly disbursements, like a paycheck, whether that leads to better student outcomes. Tell us about your target audience when you think about relevance. For whom, in other words, were you trying to make the study relevant? The target audience is largely financial aid administrators and other college leaders, making sure that the evaluation studies something that really matters to them in terms of how they use their financial aid dollars to help students and how to help them use those funds wisely to best support their students. Um, But there's also a broader audience. Um, The the real end users of this work can also be the policymakers and those who influence policy and the, the people who think about higher education policy and how to best structure the federal regulations around financial aid to support the colleges as they're working with their students. The first strategy that you used to try to ensure relevance was a longer pilot phase than may be typical. The pilot ran for about two and a half years at two colleges where you tried out the intervention on a smaller sample of students, I think about 50 in each college. Am I right that this was about testing the feasibility of the intervention, 
but also about helping to inform the right research questions. And that gets at the relevance issue. It was having the right research questions. It was also having the right intervention. There were pieces of the intervention that came and went along the way through the pilot as well. So we really wanted an intervention that made sense to students and to colleges and to policymakers that tested something that's feasible in the real world of practice as well as feasible in the real world of policy. One more question, Evan, about the pilot, which is what would you say to a funder that's paying for the demonstration or the evaluation component in terms of the extra cost of having a longer pilot phase? It does raise the cost of the evaluation. Often it does, but many demonstrations and programs and studies can benefit from a pilot, um, especially new programs or complex ones, and often it will lead to longer studies but it can also really give the opportunity to know upfront whether or not a project is worth studying. In this case, we didn't launch right into a study. If we had, we might have had the wrong study from the start. Um, instead, we took the time. If we realized there was nothing there to study, that there, there wasn't enough promise, we would have been able to cut it short and saved everyone the time and trouble. When we realized there really was some meat to the intervention and, and potential benefits for students and for colleges, we were able to build out a longer but also more useful study. And, and it's important to note that while this can be a long process, there are a lot of lessons learned and shared along the way that make the work fruitful well before the final impact report. So in this case, we won't have final impacts until 2018, but we've been learning along the way. We've been sharing with practitioners and policymakers some of the early lessons, and we'll have early impacts to share as well. The second strategy that the research design used to promote relevance was to have an advisory group. Tell us about that. What types of people were a part of that group? So advisory group is a, a group of folks who are engaged in policy and practice. Uh, representatives of financial aid administrators, of policy organizations, advocates for students. And their role has really been to help us think about both the intervention and how it's implemented, as well as about the research design to make sure that our research questions, in particular, the ones that will matter for policy, for policymakers. It's really a diverse group with differing views and, and some healthy debate within the group about what the goals of financial aid and financial aid reform should be. And the group helped us really fine-tune our measures of what the key outcomes and key impacts we should look for would be. And for example, they also pushed us to really understand the problems faced by low-income students um, and to understand, for example, how much students are working while they're in college, often in college full-time and working 20 hours or more a week, and how much financial stress students are feeling compared to the general population, to understand the context that the study is being done in. And that brings us to the third and final strategy to advance relevance, which was to do outreach to various stakeholder groups to share the draft intervention design and the draft study design to get further input and to do some tweaks. We think about outreach as something mostly done after the research is completed. This was outreach before the launch of the finalized demonstration. Exactly. So in addition to working with the pilot sites and understanding those practitioners and some of their needs and thoughts, we've talked to a number of other colleges, we've presented at financial aid conferences, 
state level meetings of college administrators to really get their feedback on the program model and sort of how the disbursements are timed and how that would work at their college so we could understand the representativeness of the colleges we're working with, um, but also some feedback on the research design, the questions that matter to them. And again, that's where a lot of financial aid administrators have said to us, we need to understand how much colleges are returning back to the federal government, how much financial aid money are the students getting and how much has to be returned. And they've pushed us and as a result, we've started gathering more data as part of our research design to understand those returns of financial aid funds. Two more questions for you, Evan. The three strategies that you used, I assume could be applied broadly to different program evaluations to strengthen relevance. Is there anything about this study that made it easier to use these strategies? Or maybe in other words, is there any reason to think that they couldn't be used more broadly? I think in general, these are all strategies that others have used and that MDRC has used before. This is a case where in particular, we've really focused on them and been more intentional about using all three strategies and and taking the time to to use them right. It helps in this study that because incremental financial aid disbursements have some real surface appeal, there's real potential to help students using existing funds, that we've got a lot of broad interest getting folks to engage with us. It's been a fairly easy topic to get people to talk to us and share what they think would be important. Um, It's also been important for this project because it's complex. The financial aid is a very detailed, rule-oriented, compliance-important topic um, that we've really had to understand to make sure the intervention and the evaluation fits in with the real world of policy and regulations. So I think both the appeal and the complexity of the project made it ripe for this type of engagement. A final thought to share, Evan, which is that if you think about the sh- uh, the challenge that the program evaluation field in the U.S. faces the most, it may be more about rigor, a lack of rigor, than a lack of relevance, especially for smaller evaluation firms that don't have the experience doing RCTs and other rigorous impact evaluation methods. But for evaluation designs that are strong on rigor, these techniques that you talked about can help ensure relevance. Right. And I think the the combination of the two that you point to is is one of the strengths of of this study and and any study that can do both. Um, And and in terms of the rigor, I want to add that one thing, as we tweak the research design to be more relevant, there's still the, the grounding of the rigor within the RCT and also an analysis plan that was written at the beginning of the RCT to really highlight what the key outcomes are and to ground them in a way that even as over time we change our thoughts about what could and should be relevant, there's no cherry picking of research results. As long as there's an analysis plan written at the front end saying here's what we're seeking to measure and how we're seeking to measure it to to keep us true to the model while at the same time we're allowed to learn more and, and make sure it stays relevant. A useful note to end on. Evan Weissman from MDRC. Evan, thanks very much for being with us. Thank you, Andy.